Good morning, church. Open your Bibles to the book of James. Today our text will be James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and open our minds, enlighten the eyes of our understanding, teach us, Lord, lead us and guide us, that your word would transform us, that it would renew our minds, and that we would be a people more closely conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would be your people in the earth to give witness to you, to your name, and to your glory. Father, we ask this, that you would be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here in James chapter 4, in these two verses here, in verse 11 and 12, we see that James brings his readers back to the issue of bridling the tongue. He first addressed this in chapter 3. And here in James 4.11, he addresses the speech of the believer again. In the previous verse, in James chapter 4, verse 10, he writes that we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he gives us that command with the assurance that When we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, the Lord will lift us up. So he gives us this command of humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord with the assurance that the Lord will lift us up. I believe the sin of pride or self-exaltation. It's what pride is after all, isn't it? Pride is self-exaltation. When we're proud, when we're When we're puffed up with pride, we're puffed up with self-exaltation. And I believe the sin of pride or self-exaltation is not disconnected from the sin of speaking evil of one another. Remember, as we read this letter, and that's what it is, it's a letter. It wasn't broken into verses and chapter It wasn't broken into the headings that you might have in your English Bible translation. It was just a letter written. And so it flowed. And when we read and study the Scripture, that's really how we should read and study the Scripture. We should not become disconnected to the flow of the letter or of the book. And so when James writes in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And then in the very next verse, 
His next words are, do not speak evil of one another. It's safe for us, I believe, to connect the sin of pride with this sin of speaking evil of one another. So when we read these words written by James in verse 11 of chapter 4, we can see a link between the sin associated with proudly exalting ourselves, which often occurs at the expense of others, with the sin of speaking evil of one another. In this context, the command against speaking evil of one another is consistent with the command to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Certainly, when we speak evil of one another, we are not humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Rather, we are exalting ourselves above our brother. And when we speak evil of one another, we are not exercising humility, but pride. We must understand what James is commanding us to abstain from. He is not, I want you to listen closely, he is not telling us to abstain from speaking the truth in love. He is commanding us to abstain from speaking evil. Now, we all know that there are people who hear us speak the truth in love who believe we're speaking evil of them and to them. As a believer, you cannot be confused about that. You should not be confused about that. If you rightly divide the word of truth, you, you won't be confused as to what is speaking the truth in love and what is speaking evil of one another. So let's go through these two verses. James chapter 4, verse 11, the first part, 11a, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. It's the first part of James 4.11. Here's the command, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Do not speak evil. I think it would be fair to say that the Bible commands God's people do not speak evil. James gives a clear command to the church. Do not speak evil to one another, brethren. Speaking evil is not what brethren do, especially to or about one another. The phrase from the Greek translated do not speak evil or do not speak is used in verb form five times in the New Testament. So it's used three times right here in James chapter 4 verse 11. It's also used two times in 1 Peter. So we just read James chapter 4 verse 11. Let's look at the context given to us in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. Peter writes, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you, it's the same Greek word here translated by James as do not speak evil. Peter writes, when the Gentiles speak against you as evildoers, says have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, don't let your 
actions, don't let the way you walk out your faith be consistent with the way the Gentiles speak accusatory about you. In other words, you don't conform to what they're saying about you. Let your life be different than what they say about you so that in the day of visitation, your works are going to outshine their evil accusations against you. In other words, your life will prove their accusations false. In the above verse, Peter writes, when they speak against you, He's using the same word we see in James 4.11 when James writes, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. We see this again when Peter continues in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. In verse 16 of chapter 3, Peter writes, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, This word translated defame is the same word that's translated speak evil, against. When they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Again, Peter's saying, let your behavior be one thing that refutes their false accusations against you. So, in these verses, it's translated speak against you or defame you. That's what this word means. So, in the New King James, in 1 Peter 3.16, it's translated when they defame you. In the King James Version, it reads when they speak evil. Other translations use Our word, slandered, or speak maliciously. So what does it mean to speak evil of one another? It means to slander, to speak maliciously, to defame someone. James commands the church, the brethren, don't do that. Don't do that to one another. Don't speak evil of one another. Don't slander one another. Don't speak maliciously. Of one another. So, this evil speaking is often in the context of sinful words about a person who is absent. Therefore, it can be accurately described as malicious slander. Thus, it's a sin, in other words. James is saying, don't sin in this way, don't speak evil of one another. Now, this is self-explanatory in obvious ways, right? As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. We are to use our tongues to honor God and to be building up one another, not tearing down one another. Peter gives a similar command using the noun form described as evil speakings. So the King James talks about evil speakings. It's a noun form. It's not just the, the action of speaking evil, but he describes our speech and our words as evil speakings. In other translations, these evil speakings are translated as slander. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, 
and all evil speakings or slander, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If by his grace you have indeed been born again as newborn babes. Peter says, lay aside all evil speakings. We would understand that as slander. Desiring instead, don't desire those words. Don't desire that fruit. Don't desire those evil speakings. Don't desire slander, but instead desire the pure milk of the word by which we may grow. This desire for the pure milk of the word will not only produce spiritual growth. There's a reason why when babies are born, they drink milk. And they nurse at their mother's breast. They they drink that milk because if they don't, they won't grow. If a baby doesn't drink milk, it won't grow. So some way, somehow, we're going to get milk into a baby. God created a woman to be able to nurse her child, thereby that child grow. We have supplements today that can help, but the point is that baby's got to have some milk or it's not going to grow. And we understand that, and Peter here is using a very practical example to help us understand a spiritual truth. He's saying, don't desire that. That's not going to help you grow. That's actually going to destroy you. It's why, parents, you're not bad parents when you won't let your children eat endless supplies of candy and reject all the vegetables and nutritious food you have for them because you know that if they just eat endless supplies of sugar and candy and the things that they really want, maybe, they're not going to grow. They're not going to be healthy. And in the long run, you're not helping them, you're hurting them. It's amazing how God created the world to, to enforce, to give witness to these spiritual truths. So Peter writes here, He said, don't desire those things. Desire instead the pure milk of the word by which you may grow into the fullness of Christ. Let me me remind you again of the proverb, Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21, Solomon writes, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what fruit do you love? Do you love the fruit of death? Or do you love the fruit of life? When we are evil speaking or slandering one another, we are eating the fruit of our words. Peter exhorts us to desire the pure milk of the word by which we may grow. This desire for the pure milk of the word will not only produce spiritual growth, but will train our palate for the fruit of our words that is life-affirming and not death-producing. Again, we see this same language used by Paul to describe this kind of sinful speech that we are to avoid. So Peter likens us to newborn babes, and in our spiritual immaturity, we very often desire things that aren't good for us. 
So we may find ourselves in our spiritual immaturity speaking things that we should not be speaking. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. Paul writes, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, this is the word, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. The word translated backbitings in this verse is the noun form described by James, what he's commanding us not to do, don't be speaking evil of one another. This word backbitings is the noun form of that, act, of that action. Don't let me find you with backbitings. So this is describing what we are offering when we are slandering or speaking evil of one another. Lay aside the backbiting slander. As an immature newborn babe may be prone, instead take up the pure milk of the word by which you may grow out of your sinful immaturity. Babies do a lot of things that we would not tolerate as adults, right? We tolerate it because they're babies. They're immature. But as they grow and mature, there are things we no longer tolerate as we did when they were babies because there's a level of maturity that's to be expected. And we don't do our children any good if we prolong their immaturity. So if we don't hold our children accountable, we're not helping them. We're prolonging their immaturity. We're not training their palate for the meat of the Word. Maybe they're not even having the milk of the Word. Maybe they're just eating a bunch of junk food, spiritual junk food, and loving the fruit of their sin. So the Bible, this is what James is writing about here. He's saying, don't engage in that. Don't love that. Peter's saying, don't eat that. Desire the pure milk of the Word instead. So James gives a very concise and direct command to the church concerning how we are to communicate with and about one another. Do not be slandering. Do not be speaking evil of one another. Instead, we are to lay aside all evil speech. The Apostle Paul gives a similar command in his letter to the Ephesians. He fleshes out this command and presents a fuller view of what this looks like. Listen to his words recorded for us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Paul writes, Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification or building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, 
clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It is evil to lie to or about one another. Therefore, Paul says, put away lying and speak truth. Why? Because we are members of one another. It's evil to be unrighteously angry and to allow your anger to remain. Put away your sinful anger that drives your sinful speech and do not let the sun go down on your wrath giving no place to the devil through your deeds or through your angry, corrupt words. Guard your mouth. Let nothing corrupt proceed out of it. Rather, speak what is good for building up one another. I'm going to confess a sin of mine to you all right now. My dear wife, you know, men... You have the Holy Spirit if you are in Christ, but you, you do realize that God uses your wife very often the same way He uses the Holy Spirit to remind you of things that you should not be doing. Now, I have this little funny habit. My wife doesn't think it's funny, but I call a lot of things, I know this is going to be terrible, but I, 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 I call a lot of things, and sometimes people... When they do stupid things, I just say, that's so stupid. And my wife reminds me, that is a horrible word. There are children who are not even allowed to say that word. You should not say that. You know, like someone cuts me off in traffic and they almost run into me and I just say, you are so stupid, or that was so stupid. And maybe it's even true that it, it is stupid, but like my wife's like, don't, don't say that. Get out of the habit of saying that. And as I was preparing the sermon over the last couple of weeks, I thought, you know, uh, this in part is, is part of what James is talking about here, part of what Peter and Paul are writing about here. What, what is our speech doing? Now, see, I've put this out publicly before you all, and now I've given my wife even more ammunition to call me out you know, when she hears me say things that I shouldn't be saying and categorizing things in a way I shouldn't be categorizing them, I'm just, just being transparent before you here this morning. But the point is, <clears throat> the Bible says, guard your mouth, let nothing corrupt proceed out of it, but rather speak what is good for building up one another. We're to speak those things that impart grace to the hearer, not those things that are absent God's mercy that tear down one another. Speaking evil grieves the Holy Spirit. When we speak evil of one another, Paul indicates we grieve the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from us with all malice. Put away malice from you. We are given the command to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. <clears throat> so the next time that guy cuts you off in traffic and almost takes your bumper off, just say, brother, I forgive you. 
You don't even know, but I forgive you. Now, that's easy to say, not necessarily easy to do. And it's kind of a simple, silly example because we can all relate to it, right? Driving around in traffic. But what is the fruit that we love to eat? And sometimes I realize the fruit I love to eat is not good. Knowing that we are grieving the Holy Spirit should be motivation for us to obey God's command to refrain from speaking evil of one another. That is the kind of sinful pride that goes before a fall. When we sin in such a way, we are in such a way we are speaking evil of the law, and we make ourselves judges of the law. So when we speak evil of one another, we grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Because God's command is for us to refrain from speaking evil of one another. And very often it is our sinful pride that, that prompts us to, to say those things, to exalt ourselves above our brother, to speak evil of them. And when we sin in such a way, we are speaking evil of the law because the law commands us not to do that. And when we speak evil of the law, we make ourselves, James says, judges of the law. And guess what? We are not the judge. We are not the judge. James 4.11, the second part of this verse, James writes, He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. We are to always use wise and true judgment in all things. You can't go through this life without making judgments. We make them all the time in all kinds of ways about things, about people, about everything you can imagine. But that does not make us the judge. There are judgments we must make to live in this world among one another, but those judgments are to be right and true, not hypocritical and sinful. For we are not the judge, but we will all answer to the judge for the judgments we all make. Before we go any further, let's look at the familiar words of Jesus concerning judgment that are very often thrown into our face when we are righteously, rightfully, lovingly, perhaps, confronting someone about their sin. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. The words of Christ, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is not saying, never judge. He is saying, never judge sinfully. Verse 5, listen to the, his words. In verse 5 of, 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 Jane, of Matthew chapter 7, Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, 
and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's what Jesus admonishes us to do. So he's not saying never judge. He's saying never judge sinfully, never judge unrighteously, never judge hypocritically. In fact, we must judge correctly to relieve our brother from the speck in his eye. Even after we have removed the log from our own, Jesus didn't say, just leave that speck in your brother's eye, don't worry about it, the Holy Ghost will take care of it. No, the Holy Ghost puts you here to get the speck out of your brother's eye, but make sure you don't have a log sticking out of yours when you go to do it. Because you'll do more harm to your brother than you will help him. Considering the words of James in light of the words of Christ, we must ask then, how is it we speak evil of the law and judge the law when we speak evil of a brother? We are to understand that the law commands us not to speak evil of a brother. Therefore, when we disobey the law by speaking evil of our brother, we speak evil of the law, and in our disobedience to the law, we judge the law to be irrelevant. Oh, I know what the law says, but it doesn't really matter. I don't care what it says. Mm. <clears throat> you just made yourself a judge of the law. When we sin, speaking evil of our brother, instead of us seeing the law judging us, we stand above the law and we are judging it along with our brother. Whether we're doing that knowingly or unknowingly, that's exactly what James says we're doing. In chapter 2, James mentions what he calls the royal law. Listen to James chapter 2, verse 8. James writes, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. James tells us that the royal law, according to the Scripture, is to love your neighbor as yourself. This law comes from the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Moses writes, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus points out this same law. His words concerning this royal law are recorded for us by Matthew and include what Jesus taught to be the greatest commandment in the law. In fact, Jesus makes an amazing statement concerning the law in the context of a question asked of him. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let me repeat what Jesus said. On these two commandments, the commandment to love God with everything within you and the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On loving God, and loving one another, hang all the law and all the prophets. The Apostle John also affirms this in his first letter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. And this, 
the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. How can you tell the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil? Well, John tells you right here in this, the children of the devil and the children of God are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. He goes on in the same letter in chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. He who loves God must love his brother also. We see then from the law of Moses in the Old Covenant to the Gospels and to the epistles in the New Covenant, God consistently commands us to love one another, even as he has loved us and as we confess to love him. To do otherwise would indicate that we have rejected God's royal law, speaking evil of the law and judging the law, even as we speak evil of our brother and judge our brother. This is a dangerous place to be. For if this becomes the practice of our life, it should cause us to question our relationship with God. If you find it difficult to love someone, if you find it difficult to love your brother, to love your neighbor, as you're professing you love God, you need to step back and examine your relationship with God. Because the Bible is clear, you can't love God and hate your brother. You can't do it. This is why we don't need a separate social justice movement in America or in the world. We just need the gospel. We just need the gospel. That's what we need. Our obedience to this royal law is not only in word, in fact, it must also be in deed. This, thus, if we are not obeying the royal law, we are judging it. James chapter 4, verse 11, the last part of this verse, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. We are not called to judge the royal law, but to obey it. To obey God's word is to be a doer of the word. To obey God's law is to be a doer of the law and not its judge. The royal law commands that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus gave a new commandment. It's recorded for us in John chapter 13, verse 34. When Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. In other words, Jesus commanded us to love one another even as he loves us. That is a powerful and profound commandment that affirms what James is commanding here in this verse. In fact, this is where James gets it. He gets it from God. He gets it from God's Word. Again, let's review what James wrote earlier in his letter concerning what he calls the royal law. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. If you fulfill this law, James says, you do well. 
He then goes on in, in, in the same chapter in verses 12 and 13, exhorting us, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. When we as brethren speak evil of one another, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. We then, having shown no mercy to the brother we speak evil of and judge, will be judged without mercy, James says. James warns us this should not be so, for mercy is to triumph over Judgment and the brethren are not to speak evil of one another. When we are doers of the royal law, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we may be required to judge in righteousness, but we will not judge hypocritically and we will not judge sinfully. We will judge in truth with mercy as we are judged by God, knowing that mercy triumphs over judgment. James chapter 4, verse 12, our last verse. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? There is one lawgiver, and guess what? We are not him. The Lord is the one lawgiver. He alone is able to save and to destroy. Then James asks the question, who are you to judge another? And the answer is, I am no one. To judge another. We are no one to judge another. It is the Lord and His Word that will ultimately judge. We make judgments as we must, but we are not the judge. And we are no one to judge another apart from the Lord, apart from His love, apart from His Word and His Spirit. Moses records the words of the Lord, Deuteronomy 32, 39. Now see that I, even I, am He, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. That's what God says about Himself. Paul also writes concerning the Lord and our relationship to Him. Romans 9.20 but indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? No. He goes on later in that letter, Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Helping a brother out of his sin is not the same as standing in judgment over your brother. One is right and one is wrong. One is loving and one is sinful. The Bible clearly says if you see your brother in sin, you who are spiritual, in humility, and in grace, go to that brother that he may come out of his sin. You know what you're going to have to do when you do that with your brother, with your sister? You're going to have to judge them. 
You're going to have to make a judgment. But the Bible is clear. It warns us you better make that judgment righteously, lovingly, gracefully, humbly. Otherwise, you are acting as the judge. You are not standing over your brother, judging him and judging the law at the same time. And that is a dangerous place for us to be. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? This question and its implied answer gives a clear warning to us about how we are to communicate and interact with one another. We are not to speak evil of one another. We are not to slander one another or speak maliciously. We are to speak the truth in love, not lie in the name of love. How we speak to one another and about one another as brethren is something God clearly considers an important matter. The warnings and the commands are clear throughout Scripture. We are to obey the royal law, meaning we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, even as Christ has loved us and certainly as we profess to love God. That love of God for one another must come out in our actions, in our words, and how and what we speak matters for His name's sake and for ours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> Let us prepare to come to the Lord's table. Please stand for your charge. Do not speak evil or slander one another, brethren. For when you do, you speak evil of your brother and judge your brother, and so speak evil of the law and judge the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. That means you are not a doer of the word. And in your disobedience, you are placing yourself in the position that you are not to occupy. You make yourself the judge over your brother and the judge over the law. And there is only one judge and one lawgiver. And you are not the judge. The Lord is. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And that is not you and it is not me. James asks the question, who are you to judge another? And before you judge... Ask yourself the same question, for your answer may save you and your brother much grief. Amen. Amen. Let's sing our thanks to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Have a great day.